Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Austin Sims, co-founder and COO of Dayrise, who are on a mission to create a new approach to sustainable shopping online. How do you know if a product has been sustainably produced? How do you even measure it? How do you approach affecting change globally? Welcome to Scoring Sustainability. And this is a bit like some of those uh, basic beliefs of the sort of for and against capitalism is that, you know, capitalism underneath it should be able to solve these problems if you give people the information they need to make the decisions. And the problem with the consumer is the information mountain. Like I'm wearing clothes and drinking out of a cup and, and using a... I have no idea if anything in front of me is sustainable, you know. And, and no one does. I mean, you think about going anything you shop, there's no... Um, there's no information about how sustainable it is. And, and any information is no, normally self-declared by the brand. And there's no standardized format to, to compare it. So you know, for all of us, it's exactly the same. So when we go shopping, um, we have no idea what is more sustainable than something else. I mean, there's a lot of eco-labels out there, which are great, but they're, they're sort of binary. Like it is either fair trade or it's not. What we've developed is a system that actually grades the sustainability of a product. So for the first time, you can actually compare it and make better decisions. Okay, so my question was going to be, how does Dayrise solve that problem? By grading, is that the answer? By scoring everything? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, sustainability is complex. So, we, we actually assess a product against five dimensions of sustainability. I mean, there's a lot of talk about carbon, but carbon's only one part of sustainability. Um, and so, we, we talk about how does it impact the biodiversity around it? How does it impact from a carbon standpoint, the greenhouse gases? Then we look at livelihoods and well-being. So how are actually people treated through the supply chain? We look at the circularity of a product. So what percentage of materials are used to create the product are reused? And then importantly, at end of life, how many can be reused again? And then we look at the purpose of the product. Because you can make a, a really sustainable product, but if it doesn't really have a role or have a purpose, then you're using the earth's resources in a way that could be deployed better. So we have a really robust look uh, at the information and we use technology to do that. So there is an existing way to look at the sustainability of a product and it's called a life cycle assessment, but it's got three flaws. What One is it's really expensive. It costs about £20,000 per product to score a product. So um, that's the first one. It takes about three months to score a product. At the end of the day, there's, there's no really consumer-facing tools at the end of it that help consumers make better decisions. So we, we took a technology approach to actually solving that. So the technology we've produced actually accelerates that. Um, and with less data points, we've got algorithms that can actually, um, to a high degree of accuracy, approximate the impact of any consumer product. Yeah, because what on earth would be the point of scoring something if it then has no effect on consumers and consumers can't use it? Exactly. So what would be the point of that? So I completely agree. So what these um, lifestyle assessments, and again, they're great reports, but they come back in about 50 pages thick and companies take one look and put them in the bottom drawer and they never get looked at again. So what we do is provide very clear, actionable input to brands. So we, we give a report to the brands across those five dimensions of sustainability that I talked about and say, okay, this is where you're doing well and this is where you can actually improve and actually give them really clear insights about what they can do. And then we also have those consumer-facing tools as well. So then they can actually translate that into a story that consumers can actually understand and make better decisions. I mean, for me, the big, the big sort of uh, playing devil's advocate is just greenwashing. I mean, I was in business making skincare for years, and I mean, we did our best to not bullshit, but we didn't, you know, we weren't checking what the manufacturer was doing. We were finding out that, you know, I remember one day they were like, oh, no, we've run out of that. And we were like, well, hang on a second, when did you run out of that? That's like 20% of our organic ingredient. 
oh, a while ago, a year or two ago, you know, and it was like, okay, we've been lying for two years and we didn't even know it. Sort of, how do you, do you use technology or how do you, it's that, it's a similar problem they have in um, cybersecurity. How do you know, how do you analyze this supply chain properly? Yeah, it's a good question. So I would say that there is a lot of greenwashing and, and, and some of it is deliberate and, and there's intent behind it. Um, but a lot of times it's just from naivety or, or lack of understanding from brands. And, and that's, that's what we do is try and give them the independent verification. So we, we go deep into supply chains uh, and, and really go deep and actually ask the suppliers what they create. So we actually go down to a supplier level to understand. Oh, you will write to my supplier. Are. I make skincare yeah. and you'll write to my supplier saying, they've told us this. Is it true? Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then we actually audit it as well. So we work with an external auditing company called SGS, who's um, one of the biggest auditing companies in the world. Um, and we, we audit. So we, we audit about 20% of products, so not all products, but that gives us a really good um, comfort level in terms of the details that we get. And then our, um, our algorithm actually throws up anomalies. And as our database grows, we've, we've already scored tens of thousands of products. We're now able to automatically detect outliers. So if there's a, if there's a certain product that's made a certain way, We've got enough of those products in our database to pretty good have a pretty good understanding of the impact of that product. Um, we can be now at a stage where if uh, a product is scored with similar parameters, but there's um, information that it, in there that's very different, we, we get red flags in the system and get to dive a little bit deeper to make sure that it all checks out. Do you ever get really surprising results where you think either think something is really green and then once you've done your research, you go, oh, fucking hell, that's absolutely shit. I'd say less so to us, and, and I'm not the sustainability expert. I mean, we've, we've got a team of 20 scientists that, that live and breathe this every day, and, and they are the experts. So I don't think they get surprised very often. But we certainly do, um, when we give the information back to brands, um, give them some surprises. So, so mm. a good example for that is, is like organic cotton. Um, so organic cotton is, is, is very, uh, it's great. It's grown organically, but it's also very intense in terms of its water production. Yeah. So if, you, if you're making organic cotton or sourcing organic cotton from an area that's very um, got, got a, high, a lot of water, that's fine. You know, it's great. But a lot of cotton, organic cotton sourced from areas where there is water scarcity and then that's not good for the biodiversity. So a lot of times when you go back to brands and they're quite proud of the fact they use organic cotton, when you show them that in, in the, in where they actually source that from, it actually that's having a, a big impact. In fact, if you source normal cotton from there, it would have less impact that's where the complexity comes in. And again, that's what I talked about. It's not, and again, that's not the fault of the brand not wanting to do better. It's just that lack of information. So we've got 20, 20 of the world's best um, environmental scientists that work on this and built the technology and we're able to give those answers to, to brands so they can actually make better decisions. The, the tricky thing for you, I mean, it's, you know, hence we even doing, doing this podcast is, is obviously we, you, you, it's trying to build a marketplace in a highly competitive space for marketplaces at the same time, because the job you're doing is so needed. Like I, as a manufacturer of whatever, probably don't know what to do either. So if you can come in and be a powerful force, it's like, you know, and say, hey, we can offer you some really decent distribution, but we're also going to, because I assume you to some extent probably at the moment have to, but do you have to suffer the costs of some of your own? We certainly do for the technology. Do you get them to pay for auditors to go and check their supply chain? No. No, no, we don't. That's a, that's a cost that would be there. But I, I would say um, our business model is actually our scoring tool. So um, you mentioned the marketplace. We do have a marketplace and, and the role of the marketplace is to bring together a collection of the most sustainable brands. And we're trying to make that a destination to, for brands to have a bigger platform to find consumers, but also for consumers to find um, maybe a lot of the smaller brands that are doing great stuff in sustainability. 
But our business model is actually our scoring system and that's what we commercialise. So we actually charge the brands for the technology. Um, so our marketplace is um, almost a giveaway cost, but the, the money we make is actually from charging for the scoring. And, and we do that outside of the marketplace as well. In fact, most of our business, 90% of it is done outside of the marketplace. So we are... We just signed a big contract with a big US manufacturer, who unfortunately I can't mention on this podcast yet. Um, and we, we're going to score all their products in their store. We just signed a big contract with a with a, um, a footwear manufacturer as well. So our model is actually scoring products out in the domain, not just on the marketplace. Yeah, fantastic. And and effectively, you end up a, a sort of more dynamic kind of you know it's soil association approved. You end up your own Rosetta to say under this approved school court. You know, there's a few out there, isn't there? Trust Pilot. I mean, we trust it. God knows why. I don't know who they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I, I, well, with that, that, that's certainly the objective is to, to provide independent verification of consumer product impacts to the brands and then tell that story to consumers. So that's certainly what we're trying to build. I would say the way that we do that, well, we've actually, um, we get our, our methodology peer reviewed um, continuously. So we go out to leading NGOs and academic institutions to make sure that we're using the latest in sustainable science because one of the issues is the science constantly evolves. It doesn't stand mm. still. So we want to make sure that we're using the latest in the methodology. Um, we get audited by SGS, as I mentioned. Actually, the Dutch government is, is an investor in our business and they audit us quarterly as well. Who are SGS? Yeah, they're one of the biggest auditing firms. They do sort of commercial auditing. So the, the, there's a lot of technology and, and it goes into it, but there's a lot of checks and balances to make sure that the methodology that we've created and the technology really delivers on, on what we say it does. I was just going to ask, how did you go from sitting around a pool looking at a float going, is it sustainable or not, to actually setting up the business? Did you literally come back from holiday, give up your day jobs and go for it? Or Yeah, not, not too dissimilar. Um, so uh, there's actually four, four co-founders. Uh, um, so myself and Bart, we're, we're on that holiday together. And he, he's, a, he's actually a, a big investor in the sustainability space. Um, and so and to give him credit... We, we realized that um, we had a passion for this, but we didn't have the expertise to create the technology that we needed. So um, we found one of our co-founders, Ava Gladek, who, who um, is the CEO of her own company, and she actually created the technology. So that, that's, that was a big part that we needed to solve the technology. Uh, and then we needed a, a really commercial CEO. So we brought Vincent um, on board as well. So we came back with the idea um, knowing that we needed to actually um, build the team out at a founder's level because we didn't have all the skill sets covered. Um, that was the first thing we did to get in place to put the four of us, and and then we built the company from there. So that was that was uh, 2019. It took us two years to develop the technology, um, and we've been live now for about six or seven months. And in that time, we've already signed commercial contracts with over 500 brands. Um, we launched into the US earlier this year. We're at CES, um, so yeah, it's certainly going a lot faster than we expected. Because I think there's a there's a real need at both the business and and the consumer level. Like businesses really want this information to understand where the impact is and. We all know as consumers, we would much prefer to be able to, when we go shopping, be able to understand the impact of products so we can make better decisions. Really interesting that you recognise that between you, you didn't have all the skills and you needed to go and find people. That's not very entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurs normally think they can do everything. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're pretty honest. I think maybe we're a bit older than most entrepreneurs. So we're not, we're not 25-year-olds. So we, we knew where our limitations were and that worked out really well. I think particularly with Ava's, you know, she's one of the foremost thinkers in sustainability. She speaks at Davos. She consults at the UN. So she's got a big reputation in sustainability. Yep. 
yeah, I think uh, without doubt she's one of the foremost thinkers. So, and and that team that she's built to build this um, that continuously improves it is, is what you know was what makes it the, the the best technology that's on the market. So, yeah, it was a big call, but I think it was an easy one for us because we needed that that skill set in the team. It's interesting. No one has particularly tackled it. There were a lot of yeah specific ones out there. My my curiosity is over the community because I'm thinking, well, if you're going to do this well, there's no silver bullet. You just got to use loads and loads of different techniques to help analyze something, and then you've got to you've got to draw in as much power you can from, I guess, the community. Because if you think of Trustpilot, the way everyone's commenting, 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 it's like, do you want or do you use information from consumers, and that's important, and you encourage them to go and look at it, or in a way that could just be unhelpful noise. I think we, we we talked a lot about combining it with consumer information, but where we got to is we really want this to be an independent verification on products. Um, so given independent advice and analysis and, and then the consumer-facing tool. So the consumer pace is, is something that we haven't considered only because we want the sustainability to speak for itself. Now, what we do get a lot is consumers coming to us asking us to score particular brands and products and then we go and approach those brands. But in terms of combining consumer reviews with the sustainability advice, they, 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 we keep them quite separate at the moment. You could be anyone near, near Slough, could you pop into this warehouse and see, <laughs> see what they're doing with their cotton? They've got some sheep exactly. in there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky line really, isn't it? Yeah, it's becoming everything, this sort of supply chain audit. And, you know, do you end up having conversations about, let's say, the blockchain? You know, is this something you're like, well, actually, because for you, you, you'll have lots of data points and actually, the, you know, using the blockchain to sort of analyze it could be very helpful. Yeah, but I think blockchain's great. I think it's, it's still a developing technology, obviously, and that's something that we look at closely. At the moment, we get enough information by working with the brands um, and then with the third-party databases that we have and then the geospatial overlays that we use, so that gives us a, a good enough sample size to actually understand to a high degree of accuracy the impact of the product. But as blockchain improves and, and gets broader in its adoption, I think that is you know, a really viable for technology for us to adopt um, to get even more specific. So, yeah, we're always looking at ways that we can improve it. I think for now we've got the, most, the fastest and most accurate on the marketplace. But I think you know, as these technologies evolve, that's certainly something that we'd look to include. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 and while the world has changed a bit it's more than just survived from complying with the FCA and all things financy they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Aubrey Clark was born and raised right here in the UK and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Aubrey Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. And this week, a big shout out to Sean Veer Singh, who has recorded our stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music. Now back to the chat. Completely random question, but you know you said that one of the five things was purpose. When you're looking at purpose, are you literally just looking at whether something has a purpose or whether it's a completely pointless thing? <laughs> or are you looking at what it's... So, you know, if I make a machine gun out of completely recyclable, you know, uh, seaweed, do you still look at it and think, well, actually, you're going to use that to shoot people so it's not that great a product? Or is it literally about whether something has a purpose or not? I'd like to see that machine gun when you've got it ready. <laughs> well, I, will. I, I will get on that as yeah. soon as I've finished my day job. Yeah. Of... 
for purpose, we look at two things. So we've got a almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of, of, of needs. So yeah. in terms of where does it, where does it fit in your needs? But is it a basic like foundational need that you need um, that the world needs? In which case, it has a high purpose. Or as you go up, and it becomes um, more, I guess, less of a, of, a, of, a, of a core purpose. Maybe it's more about self-expression. Then, then the purpose score goes down. So what 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 role does okay. it fit in that actual in terms of purpose? So it's not a, it's not a yes or no. It's more of a, a gradation based on on sort of what the purpose of that product is. And and the second thing we look at is does it displace impact from another source? And and the best example for that is is a bike, which obviously has impact when you make it, and it's made from metal, and that's obviously a rare product. But what it does, it, it removes the need for a car. So you look at that as a as a purpose. If you're using that for, as your primary mode of transportation and, and not a car, yes, it's having a, having an impact on the environment by using a lot of metal, but it's actually displacing a lot of impact as well. So we, we look at it on those two angles to come up with a purpose score. That is quite that's subtle. That's really interesting. That's yeah. quite hard to do half the time, isn't it? It's almost, you know, and that's maybe the point with sustainability and maybe why we all feel quite lost on the subject, that it's just everything else has an impact. It's like, you know, they turn around to you the next day and it's like, oh, no, no, don't buy an electric car because they've done this analysis to say you're better to buy an old car because that will use less. And it's like someone's making that argument to me and I'm like, just get the fucking electric car. It's too I think. late. You've got it's the like we've got to car, move man. forward. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, well, you, uh, you know, because it's it's very this amazing tax incentives for electric car. But you know <laughs> that that whole argument they go round and round and round, don't they? You're kind of like yeah. Well, it, it, it's complex and and some of it's contradictory. But here, here's the path that we're on, which which we want to solve. So at the moment. At the moment, we, we we obviously give the brands a really detailed impact report so they can make better better. Um, Decisions in terms of how they produce their products and reduce the impact, and we create consumer-facing tools. So we do we do that in three ways. One is we give the product a score um, out of 100. So you get, at a high level, you can compare products, and then you can get the breakdown of that score across the five dimensions I spoke about. We then tell you how much that product saves um, versus a standard product. So with a sustainable product, it could save on carbon or water or land or all three. Um, and that's always a great thing to tell people if you're buying a, a shirt um, or your seaweed machine gun. Um, if it actually is saving versus a normal product. We can tell you how much that saves so you feel better about it. The normal metal machine gun is obviously less. Exactly. Exactly. What is a seaweed machine gun? Fire, more seaweed. Seaweed gun, <laughs> seaweed pellets, presumably. But here's, here's the really exciting part that's, that we have that I think will become a bigger part of it. We can tell you how much of that product takes up with your planetary budget. So we all have a planetary budget. Um, to so we all have the same year. planetary budget? Depending on which country you live in, so it's broken right. down at the global level and, and then down at the country level, and you know that's why things like Earth Overshoot Day, which we all know happens earlier and earlier each year, is when we use the Earth's resources that enables the Earth to regenerate each year, and that gets earlier and earlier. So consumption is in itself is bad. We just need to consume within the Earth's boundaries, and we can tell you when you buy things how much of that budget you're actually using. So. Fast forward a few more years to, to your question, Andy. Like We'll be able to tell you when you buy that car and when you go on that holiday and when you buy those clothes, how much all these are actually going towards your planetary budget. So you can start to make better decisions because everyone tells us to, to, to behave more sustainably. But without that level of information, it's impossible for us to make better decisions. You're going to have to stop everything you do at the end of January every year. It's just <laughs> like... No, but no, here, here for you, trying to bring some sense. I mean, you know, I, I, I meant it in that intro. It's just like, we need to talk about this stuff, you know, because once you feel lost, you just feel like, well, it doesn't fucking matter. May as well throw it in the wrong bin of the recycling. It's like the human brain's weird. It's not like, 
oh, I'm doing some things badly, so I'll do the others well. It's like, to some extent, once we just feel yeah. really lost on the subject, There's we just nothing fuck I can it all do, off. I give and up. we just say, I'm having chocolate cake, that's all going in the bin, and I don't care, you know? Totally right. I think, I think that's the thing, and it's, I think the two, two things on that. One is guilt isn't a great emotion, and I think mm. for too long no. we've been made to feel guilty about sustainability, um, and that, that doesn't in, inspire people to act. I think the... The feeling is that unless you change everything in your lifestyle, you're having no impact. And that's not true. 60% of our impact as consumers comes from the things that we buy. So actually making better decisions when you buy things has a huge impact. So what we're really big on is not making people feel guilty, but providing solutions and actually finding a way for them to, to shop better. Um, and then people become overwhelmed, as you say. So we're always, all we're trying to do is, is at a consumer level, when you buy products, um, just be able to make a better decision. It's as simple as that. So when you have two peanut butters or two jumpers or whatever it is, for the first time you'll be able to look at them and understand which one has a bigger impact and start making better decisions. And that, and that I think, is a simple way to get started. I think Amazon needs to know when I'm drunk. I think my phone needs to say, you're drunk, you're not allowed Stop to use thinking. Amazon, you can't buy this shit from China you don't need. You know, I bought a bloody bar for us now, it's turned up. Anyway. Really? Excellent. Just quickly for clarity, is a high score better or a low score better? So if I've got two products and one's 80, 80 and the other one's 50. Yeah, what's the score out of? And, 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 and are we trying to get high? <laughs> yeah, so you, a, high, a higher the score is, is better. So the score is out of 100 and it's made up of, um, well, lots and lots of data points and it's a, a great deal of technology that goes into that. But effectively, it's broken down evenly across those five dimensions. So each, each dimension is, makes up 20 points of that score. Does anybody ever get 100? No, no. We, the, the scoring system we've created is deliberately rigorous because we, we see this being the, the standard. And we'll continue to get more rigorous. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, trying to set up so it's, we're trying to set it up so it's future-proof because we do expect products to get better. But essentially, a, a product that scores 100 would be a, a, a regenerative, regenerative and circular product. So it's actually using fully circular materials and actually contributing to, to the um, regeneration of the earth around it. Does anyone get pissed off? Do they fill it in the end? They sort of press a button and goes, woo, and then goes 22. And they, they start emailing you like, fuck you. You know, is that is that a problem? You know, I thought it was going to be. That was always the thing, man. It was always so, particularly for smaller companies that are born of sustainability. And, and um, we have a lot of those that we've worked with. And they were expecting high scores and, and they didn't get high scores. And... And for like the reasons I talked about with organic cotton, they thought they were doing the right thing. But what's really pleasing about that is when you give them the report that actually shows them why they got that score and importantly, what they can do to actually improve it because it's, because they all want to actually do the right thing. So that is a real, they forget about the score to be honest and they're really focused on, okay, now I understand where I can do better and they focus on actually making those improvements. So yeah, it is quite confronting to some people, but we actually give them a path to get better. It'd be tempting to get quite competitive about it as well, actually, wouldn't it? If you've, your competitors are getting a better score than you, you just think, well, I'll do this, that and the other just to hike up to the, the right end of the scale. And I think in a good sense, that's what we're trying to create, aren't we? We're trying to create a, a pool towards people preferring more sustainable products, which makes brands want to make more sustainable products. So that's certainly the path that we're on. When you buy on Amazon, you're so reliant on the comments and that like people have to get basically perfect comments and you look at them and then you can see if they're bullshit or not. If you had a thing at the top, that'd be great. You know, the day rise school, the, some green thing saying, well, it might be cheap and people might love it, but it's a piece of shit. 
made by slavery, it's like, whoa, you know, that, that would help my drunken Amazon purchases. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, absolutely. And again, sustainability is only one dimension. We still look at price and colour and, and all of the other things. They're, they're all important, but it, it isn't, it's the missing dimension in terms of our, in terms of our decision making and, and, and it's an important one. But, you know, price and colour are things that consumers yeah, can we immediately identify can and, and make a judgment about, whereas sustainability, we can't. Exactly. Price, colour, availability, convenience, all, all that's really important. But now, you know, sustainability is also important and it needs a seat at the table. And that's, that's what we're giving it so that you can include that in your decision making. Yeah, okay. And then, I mean, what I like about this, well, there's two, two things I was thinking about. One is, it's nice because... I hate this attitude that business is bad. There's like part of the like whole, you know, being overly woke thing has got to the point that it's like, you know, friends of mine are like, oh yeah, well, business is evil. And it's like, well, and the the second thing is that we interviewed um, Maya from the uh, European uh, Reconstruction and Development Bank. Um, And anyway, you know, she was just saying how, look, personally, you know, your effect is actually quite minimal business is the thing that really you know has got to do something or and I just think you know here's business being a force for good I don't think consumers have time to work it out here's the most perfect example let's turn this situation around give you the information you need within microseconds to make a decision about a product and hallelujah the business is doing the right thing you know it's good to see exactly I think with these things Consumers move faster than business, and so I think consumers have a role to push business into to making these changes. Um, so by giving that information and showing businesses that consumers do prefer more sustainable products, I think that helps pull them along. But business business isn't bad um, at all. It's just that we need to help business shape a better direction and become more sustainable. And without giving them the tools to do it, I think that's an impossible ask. And we're now giving them the actual information so, that, so they can make better decisions. Humans don't influence other humans very well. That's the weird thing because the people who are bang on about it and virtuous now piss everyone else off. So the weird human reaction is they don't, they, a little bit, you get, if like you've got a close friend and then they, and they have to do it in such a way that it doesn't piss you off. But if they're just like, rah, 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 if this, you know, you're just like. Well, virtue signaling is really irritating, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and so I, that's a big thing for us is this is a journey, we're all in it together. Um, don't feel bad about everything that you do. Just start making these simple changes in your life. Because I think if you become too virtuous, I think I think that really puts people off. And, and no one's perfect. None of us are perfect. So what we can do is help people provide, make better choices. But I think when you, when you ram it down their throats and make them feel guilty, everyone puts the shutters up straight away. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to Austin for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and come say hi on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.